1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you'd join me in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace, through the gospel, through the blessings that you bestow upon us. Father, I, I want to pray for uh, Margaret's family in the wake of her passing, Lord, and I pray that they can find solace and hope and even rejoicing in the fact that she is in your presence, Lord, and to praise you for the hope that we have of the gospel, the promise of eternal life. Lord, I pray for the fathers today. Lord, I thank you so much for the role that they have in raising and shepherding children, Lord, and I pray for everyone, um, regardless of relationship uh, with our earthly fathers, regardless of um, if our fathers are still with us, Lord, that we have a, a heavenly father who loves us, who is good always, who um, is leading us in I praise you for that. Father, I pray for our time in your word. I pray that we can be challenged and encouraged and edified. In Jesus' name, amen. An astounding 16 million soldiers, sailors, and Marines served America in the Second World War. And while most of the focus on World War II is on the military and combat, within the United States... There was an effort to support the war unlike anything our nation had seen before or since. With millions going overseas, Americans took up new jobs. Coming out of the Great Depression, unemployment dried up, reaching an all-time low in 1944. The war effort affected virtually every aspect of American life. Companies shifted their manufacturing efforts to supporting the war effort and equipping the military. Maytag went from making washing machines to making parts for airplanes. Firestone tires made artillery shells and aluminum containers for food transport. Products like sugar, butter, bacon, and cheese were rationed, as were penicillin and other medicines, along with rubber, certain types of metals, materials for clothing, such as silk and nylon, needed for uniforms. Everything went to supporting a cause that was so much bigger than any one person. And everyone's contributions mattered. To help pay for the war, the government sold war bonds. Over 85 million Americans purchased war bonds to help fund the effort. And to put that in perspective, that was more than half of the entire population of the United States at the time. An incredible effort. As Christians, we too are called to be part of a cause that is far bigger than any of us. But where everyone has a role, where everyone has a job to do, where everyone has a way to serve, the mission of God on earth. And that mission is to spread the gospel, to make disciples, to build up the church, to love one another. It's not a passive request in scripture. It's not just a good suggestion, but something that God commands from all of his people. If you're a person who has placed faith in Jesus this applies to you. As the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You belong to Jesus when you place your faith in him. And part of the purpose of the Christian life 
The purpose of the Christian life is one that is lived in service of God and for the mission of God in the world. Have you ever wondered why is it taking Jesus so long to come back? It's been almost 2,000 years since he ascended to heaven. Why so long? Now, obviously, the simplest answer is because it's God's will. And that's true, and that's significant. However, another reason is so that the gospel could be spread throughout the world, that the nations could hear the gospel, for more more people to have an opportunity to respond to the gospel in faith. It is an act of God's grace. And we each get to be part of God's mission in the world. Do you ever feel like you were made for something great? Do you ever feel like you were meant to have an impact, maybe more of an impact than you feel like what you're having now? It's because you are made for more. You are made to do great things. You are born to have an impact in the world, an impact for Jesus. We can try to build our own kingdoms. We can collect our own toys. We can try to control and manipulate the circumstances in our lives to make us feel secure. We can do those things. But we were made to serve the mission of Christ in the world. And again, that includes sharing the gospel, making disciples, making Jesus known, growing together as his church and serving God. Jesus clearly states that mission at the end of the gospel of Matthew, where he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching, to, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. As a church, every person in the church is called to use the ways God has gifted and equipped us for the purpose of serving God and for building up the church. That's why we're here. That's your mission in life. It's to grow in faith in God And for God to use you for his purposes. Because ultimately, those are the best purposes. Those are the only purposes where we can be assured that all things work together for good. And that should be an exciting thing. And so, from our passage this morning, out of 1 Corinthians 12, our main idea is that we're on a mission for Jesus. The first section is somewhat developing a theology of ministry. We're going to start in verse 4. And it's the idea that every Christian has spiritual gifts from God. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Maybe you've never really thought about that. But all Christians are given spiritual gifts. It doesn't matter how well you know the Bible. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. There's no probationary period on serving God. It doesn't matter how smart you are or how, how outgoing you are or how many people you know. It doesn't matter how talented you are or you think that you are or that you think that you aren't. If you're a Christian, God has given you gifts to serve him and to build up his church. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that you have nothing to offer. I think that's the reason why some people don't serve. It's nonsense. Because everyone has much to offer. 
much to contribute. We want you to serve the church. Verse 8, Paul starts to list some of the different types of gifts. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I said in the beginning... But there are several New, New Testament passages that talk about spiritual gifts. A couple points to be made. Spiritual gifts are listed in five places in four books of the New Testament. Our chapter in 1 Corinthians 12 actually has two different lists, verses 8 through 10, which I just mentioned, and verse 28. But they're also mentioned in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. In these lists, there's some overlap of the gifts that get mentioned between one book and another. But no single list lists all the gifts. So the purpose of the lists is not to be exhaustive in enumerating every single spiritual gift. Part of why some gifts are mentioned in some books, but maybe not in others, might to some extent depend on the original audience to whom Paul and Peter were writing their letters. Another part of them giving different lists is that it also helps to show that there is a variety of gifts, that there's differentiation in ways how God has gifted and equipped his people within his church. A couple more comments on spiritual gifts. And unfortunately, we're not going to have time to get into uh, great detail on, on all of them. There's some disagreement within the church on some of the gifts as to whether or not people still have them today, it's especially the, the sign gifts or the um, miraculous gifts. For instance, in our passage, Paul talks about a gift of healing. Are there Christians who still today have that ability? Or is it possible that it was just meant for a period of time in the early church to show that the followers in the church continued to have apostolic authority from Jesus. We don't have time to get into that debate this morning. Our purpose is really more revolving around God equipping us with gifts to build up his church. God gives us the gifts that he needs for us to have. He gives us the gifts to serve him and to serve his purposes. And so again, the purpose isn't so much to debate what people may or may not specifically have today because God equips us today with gifts that we need for serving him. So that's our first point, looking at ministry and included in that is that we are equipped with different types of gifts by the Holy Spirit. Verse 12 begins a fantastic illustration of the church on what he said in the first part of our section. He compares the church to the human body, and the body has many parts in it. Verse 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Continuing into verse 14, For 
The body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. What this is saying is that we have one body, but our body has many parts to it. And each part has a purpose within the body. And each part matters to the healthy function of the body. If a part of the body is unhealthy or is not functioning properly, that affects the rest of the body. In the same way, within the church, each of us is part of the body of Christ. And everyone within the church matters to the church. Everyone at Cornerstone matters to Cornerstone. We, and again, we exist to spread the gospel and to make disciples, working together for the mission of God, all endowed with various gifts by God. I love the practicality of Paul's illustration here. Again in verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Every part matters. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Feet. Kind of smelly. Oftentimes out of sight. The foot isn't nearly as glamorous as the hand. Hands, you use hands to high-five and to shake hands and to eat pizza. And so Mr. Foot might be tempted to feel like he's not really contributing that much. But he's necessary to give us balance, to help us walk. The foot matters. Verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Again, the ear might be tempted for him to also feel insecure. People get complimented for their eyes. Oh, you have such beautiful eyes. If you have noteworthy ears, it's never for complimentary reasons. <laughs> but ears are important. They help funnel sound. Everyone in the church has a place, has a role. You have an area where you fit. You're part of the body. You have a way to serve that's valuable to the church. We have so many people here at Cornerstone who faithfully serve. And I know I'm so appreciative of that. Just the way that they bless one another, serve and love one another. I've seen so many examples in my two years here of people from the church, from this church, being the church, serving one another. I remember last summer when Pastor Eric was on sabbatical. One of the Sundays, a, a lady came and visited she had never been here before. She was in town for a couple of weeks. Her sister-in-law had passed away. She didn't know anybody. She needed help cleaning out her sister-in-law's house. She asked if we could help. Again, with Pastor Eric away, kind of came on to me to help.
help coordinate that, and I thought, oh, this is a nightmare. How am I going to find people to help clean up the house of a person who they don't even know? I thought, nobody's going to help. And we ended up having about a half dozen people less than a week later to help clear out this house. Think about another time last summer during Pastor Eric's sabbatical. Somebody had a, a leaky roof and, and needed some help getting that taken care of. So I sent out an email, and the next day I checked up. I, I, knew, I knew somebody would, would offer to help, and something like three different people had volunteered to, uh, to come and to help fix that up. Again, using what you have and serving one another with that. A remarkable thing. The church is an incredible force when we do that. And I'm sure that there are a thousand different ways how people from Cornerstone have helped out, served, shown love to each other that I'll never hear about and that we'll never hear about. Serving in the church. So there's uniqueness within the body. Verse 17 uh, gets at the idea that it's necessary for there to be differences of the parts within the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Imagine that. Just a big eye walking rolling around. <laughs> Not only are there different parts, but there have to be different parts. We don't all need to have the same gifts. We don't need everyone to be a preacher. What a nightmare that would be. We don't need everyone to be a musician. God equips us with gifts for his own glory. And the church flourishes when people are living on a mission and committing their lives to living to serve God. Verse 18, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If, it, if all were a single member, where would be the body? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 18, we see that it is God, and it is ultimately, based on this passage, we see as well through the Holy Spirit that we are equipped in different ways to serve within the church. Verse 20 is really somewhat of a summary verse of the entire passage. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21 is affirmation from the passage how every part of the body needs every other part of the body. The church needs you. And when I say you, I mean you. I'm not talking about the person next to you. Well, I am talking about them too, but I also am talking about you. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Every part matters. In the world of theater, there's this saying, there are no small parts, just small actors. And the point of that is that every, everyone in the production matters to the production. Or I think about when I used to play football as a kid. You know, when you're 9, 10 years old, playing in the backyard or at school, you're always pretending to be your favorite player. It's always a quarterback or a running back or a receiver. Nobody ever pretends to be the kicker. But a kicker can win you a Super Bowl or lose you in an NFC championship game. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> There's no reason to be jealous of the gifts that you don't have. Because again, 
everything as part of serving God's purposes. And those are eternal purposes. And part of the body that we might think of as less important, Paul tells us that those parts are the ones that are indispensable. Verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. It's true within churches. It's also true with the church at large in America. There are pastors who most of us probably know the names of, who have huge churches, who write books, who are household names. And it can be easy to look at those people and think, wow, that ministry, they're really doing great things. And I hope that they are for the gospel. But a few mega churches do not compete with the tens, hundreds of thousands of churches just like Cornerstone. A hundred people. 60% of the churches in America have 100 people or less in average Sunday attendance. That is what the force is of the American church. It's not about a handful of huge, glamorized churches, but tens of thousands and thousands and thousands of churches faithfully serving the mission of God in the world. It's often the work that we think of as being inglorious that is really most important. I've worked in a lot of restaurants in my lifetime, and especially restaurants where you're a server and it's a busy restaurant. Um, aside from the quality of the food, I feel like the thing people oftentimes comment on when you go to a restaurant is the server. Oh, the server was so great. That's important. But from working in restaurants, at the, at the bottom of the totem pole is usually, and when I say usually, I mean always, the person who washes the dishes and again, I'm talking about busy restaurants. Uh, it's always kind of at the bottom of the restaurant hierarchy. But really, there's nothing that will bring a restaurant down more quickly than not having dishes cleaned and not having somebody who knows what they're doing in the dish room. It's a disaster. Servers are pretty indispensable. It's, it's really easy to take a drink to a table and set it there. Um, not everybody wants to be the dishwasher. Or think about a general in a war. This is kind of the other side of the coin. We know about generals. Books get written about them. If they're great, movies get made about them. We don't always hear about the, the soldiers under them who are faithfully serving. But it's the soldiers who are really getting the work done. What they're doing matters. Our service might not always be glamorous, but it always matters. Because changing a life changes the world. We have an opportunity to reach people, to love people, to serve people. Because if you're a light to one person, impact one person, then that person influences other people, who influence other people, and it continues to ripple out. And may our purpose be to point others to Jesus. Every gift, every way how God has equipped us is important. That's what Paul is saying throughout this section. Now, if you're familiar with the book of 1 Corinthians and you're familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you might wonder, 
how what I'm saying harmonizes with the end of the chapter. Beginning in verse 28, Paul says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So it might look like Paul saying, well, you should want these super special gifts. But I would argue, based on the entire context of the passage, that's not so much the point, because the point is clearly people are uniquely gifted by God for godly purposes, and that all of those are essential to the function of the body. So when he, in verse 28, says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, I don't think he's so much giving the the power rankings on, on what matters most. I actually think part of it is the sort of chronology in a first century church that it's the the apostles who founded the churches. They were there first on the ground. Then you have prophets, and um, part of it seems to be what they mean by prophet in the New Testament based on other usages is people who uh, speak godly truth and wisdom. But part of that is also speaking it to a, a local congregation, knowing the context of that situation That's what you need once a church is founded. And then from there, teachers, people who are preserving the word of God, teaching the word of God. So again, not necessarily that he's saying that these are the most important things and then everything else. Because all of it is important for the sake of building up the body of Christ. And where he says in verse 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Again, part of that seems to be somewhat of a commentary on the Corinthians. It was a fairly affluent community in the Roman Empire. Uh, And they might have, in their own minds, had certain gifts that they wanted to glamorize or prioritize ahead of others. And it seems that the essence of what Paul is really saying is more to desire the gifts that are helping to build up the church. Not to desire what's going to help you or make you look good, but what's going to edify, to challenge, to spread the gospel. And part of the reason why I'm confident in that interpretation is that Paul goes immediately into saying, and I will show you still a more excellent way, leads into 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love, that that needs to be the foundation for which you are having the hope uh, to have these gifts for the sake of building up the church. All gifts matter. It's God's desire for us to serve him. 1 Peter 4.10, one of the other sections of the Bible that talks about various spiritual gifts. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Use it. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. The Bible gives the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25. A talent is about 100 or so pounds of gold, a huge amount of gold, obviously. And you have three different men in the parable, each given talents. The first man is given five talents. The second is given two. The third is given one talent. But again, even the person who had one, it's a ton of gold. 
point worth mentioning about spiritual gifts. While God equips all people, we do not all receive the exact same share. Some people might have more gifts. But that is ultimately to work to the glory of God. As Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, to whom much is given, much is expected. But back to the parable of the talents. The man who received the five talents went to work with what he was given, and he earned five talents more while his master was away. In the same way, the man who was given two talents put that to work and earned two more. But the one who received the one talent, well, he could have still done a lot with it. Keep in mind, 100 pounds of gold. He took it and he buried it. He didn't use what he had been given. For the ways God gifts and equips us, we are not given what we are given just so we can sit around, just so we can bury it in a field, but to use it to serve God, to serve his mission, to build up his church. Part of the purpose of that parable also is that the the master gives these servants the talents while he's going away, but then the master returns, and that Jesus will return. Maybe it'll be in our lifetime, maybe it won't. But one way or another, either you will die a natural death or Jesus will return within your lifetime, and either way, what matters in the time that you have, however long that is, is how you're using what God has given you for him and for building up his kingdom. So let us serve him today with all that we have, building up the body of Christ. I made a list. There's a number of ways to get involved. I'll post this on Facebook too if it's too small. To get involved at Cornerstone. Different ministries we have within the church. We also add different ministries as needed. Some of these are things that happen on Sunday morning. We have people helping out with children's church, with the nursery. Greeters who hand out the bulletins, people who work sound and PowerPoint, people when we do communion who, who help set that stuff up, who help with cleaning the church. People who, who give rides to people who, who can't drive. Uh, I know that's something Pastor Eric has, has requested before help with, if people are able to do that. Other ministries that we have during the school year, there's the youth group. For a lot of the kids who come to youth group, they otherwise don't have any connection to a church. Uh, perhaps their families don't go to church at all, and in youth group is, is the one time in the week we get to, to reach them with the message of the gospel and to teach them about Jesus and his love and to, to foster that. And again, these are just a few, a few things that we do. There's, there's many more. And if you're not involved in a ministry... I'd love to see you get plugged in. And if you don't know where, you might be a good fit. Don't know what would be the, the best ministry for you. I'd love to talk to you. I know Pastor Eric would as well. I'm certainly not trying to undermine that many of us serve outside of the church. I, I have no doubt many of you spend a lot of time serving your family, serving relatives, maybe um, older relatives who need help. Uh, and that's, that's a great thing. I'm, not, I'm certainly not trying to encourage service to the exclusion of doing that. But I'm trying to encourage us to have a, a missional focus on life. 
which includes using our gifts to serve our families, to help our neighbors, to bless our coworkers, but also to serve the church, to be involved in the life of the church. And in America, unfortunately, it's so easy to compartmentalize those things. I have work time and I have family time and I have church time. Instead, all of us should put our focus on serving the mission of God all the time. And that impacts our family time. And it impacts how we work and how hard we work and how we interact with our coworkers. Having a life that is revolving around loving people, pointing people to Christ, and helping people to know Jesus. And using the gifts that we have to do that. But none of us has all the gifts on our own. So we use what God has given us, and that's a powerful thing. And we spread the gospel which saves souls. But when it's the church, the people of God, each using the ways God has equipped us for that purpose. Again, that's what impacts communities and lives. All of us together, using what God has given us for the mission of God. Can you honestly say today that that is what you're doing? If not, let me challenge you to have a missional focus in every aspect of life, using the talents that God has given you and investing those and working with those for God. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you that you allow us to be part of your mission in the world. What an incredible blessing that is. And I pray, Lord, that we all take that to heart. I thank you so much, Lord, again, for the many examples that we have of people who serve and love one another. What an inspiration that is. Lord, I pray for all of us. I pray for us to have our burden and desire to see people know you, to see people love you and grow with you. In Jesus' name, amen.